Coming up, we dive into Chili Bowl Saturday, talk Wild West Shootout, and more news from the XR Group. Let's go. Today is Monday, January 17th, 2022. Welcome into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. The 2022 Chili Bowl has come and gone now, and we have a first-time winner to add to the record books. On Saturday night, despite not having won his prelim night, Tanner Thorson roared his way through the pulse shuffle, started on the front row of the feature, and outdueled Christopher Bell late to snag the Golden Driller over an insanely talented field of drivers. It was the first time since 2014 that someone not named Rico Abreu, Christopher Bell, or Kyle Larson won the Chili Bowl main event. Thorson and his Reinbold Underwood team were fast all week, and they put it all together on Saturday night for a big win. Bell finished second after leading 36 laps. Rico was third, Buddy Kofoid fourth, and Tanner Carrick finished fifth. It would have been interesting to see how things played out had the race stayed green over that final stretch. The Brady Bacon flip took the leaders out of traffic and I think allowed Thorson the chance to get away a bit. Bell was making a move for the lead when that crash happened, and he was definitely a little better in traffic than Thorson, I think. Either way, though, Thorson and that team were very good, and they earned that victory. Behind the front runners, Kyle Larson was never a factor for the win after starting 7th. He challenged up into the top 5 for a bit, but faded to 6th at the end. I just don't think he and Paul Silva have their arms completely around that new Eagle chassis just yet, and they showed that vulnerability through the week, including on their prelim night. We also saw history made with Kaylee Bryson becoming the first female to ever make the Saturday night feature. She finished 6th on her prelim night, which put her in a B-main on Saturday. She then made a crazy 10th to the win run in that B to transfer and did it against some of the best in the business. Guys like Blake Hahn, CJ Leary, Shane Golubic, and many others. It was a great moment and something we will hopefully see a lot more of in the future. She ended the main event in 18th with other drivers like Maria Kofer, Mariah Eid, and Taylor Reimer having strong Saturdays. I was also impressed with Corey Day, who made the feature in his first ever Chili Bowl. He topped a talented field of rookies that included names like Ryan Timms, Brent Cruz, and Gavin Boschel. Early in the day, we had a few drivers go some rounds in the soup, including Jack Routson, who went end to J. Tucker Klassmeyer, who also went end to J, and Sammy Swindell tied the record for the most races on a Saturday at six with an end to I run. His day ended with that I main with mechanical issues. Overall, though, it was a disappointing weekend for the Swindell squad. Sammy was out early, and Logan Seavey's day ended in an E main. This was essentially Sammy's worst Chili Bowl Saturday ever, and Seavey finished top 10 in the fe- uh, feature in 2021. Very uncharacteristic of those 1 and 39 cars. The other thing everyone was talking about from Saturday was the switchover from Flow Racing to Mav TV. It's been a topic of discussion for the last several years, and the noise on social media was deafening this year. The live TV aspect of Saturday really seems to hurt the program as a whole, and it grinds the action to a halt for the fans in the building. We talked about this on the live stream I did on Saturday night in the preview show last week with the Passing Points guys. Mav TV wants to fill a certain time slot, which is understandable but problematic. They also have a group of reporters and commentators who don't normally work with these drivers, so mistakes are going to happen. And it's just exacerbated by the fact that you have a very tight flow show all week leading into that live broadcast. From the event's perspective, the live TV show is hard to walk away from, but I think uh, think something has to change for the future. 
either from a production or event run standpoint. You can't have the last five races of the event take four or five hours to complete. I understand track work needs to happen, but there has to be a better way. Hopefully this is something that will be addressed going forward. Drop me a comment. Let me know your thoughts on this and the event as a whole. If you didn't tune in or don't care about the Chili Bowl, I'd be curious as to why as well. It seems like a lot of eyes are on this event, but maybe not all of you care. Curious to hear from you guys also. As for the Chili Bowl pool, I ended up missing out on the money. I was in a decent position headed into Saturday and not far out of 72nd place, but I faded into the feature. I had 10 cars between the two B mains and only had three of those guys transfer. So when some had 10 or 11 cars in the main event, I only had seven. In the end, we brought it home in 102nd place out of 1,100 total entries. Not bad considering the field, and I think it shows real value from the DirtTracker.com analytics section. The last two years, my picks were either completely based on the data or very heavily influenced, and I think it paid off. We'll try again next year. If you weren't knock deep in the Chili Bowl last week, maybe you instead were locked into the Wild West shootout out at Vado Speedway Park in New Mexico. The week of racing finished out with full programs on Friday, Saturday, and the 25000 to win finale on Sunday. I said late last week that the two guys to watch for the weekend were Earl Pearson Jr. and Tyler Erb, and those two were the story on Friday. EPJ led early and again looked fast behind the wheel of that Jason Papich-owned car. A lap 11 caution, though, for a flat right rear on Brandon Shepard's B5 closed things up and brought Herb into the mix. On the restart, Turbo made a bid for the lead, and he and EPJ battled for several, uh, several laps with the one machine on the bottom and the 46 up top. With lap traffic a factor, Herb was able to clear EPJ and get to the bottom with 13 to go. He pulled away from there for his first victory of 2022. EPJ finished second, Bobby Pierce was third, Johnny Scott fourth, and Mike Marler completed the top five. Herb tried to keep that momentum going on Saturday, but was outgunned by Mike Marler. The two battled through lap traffic in the early stages of the feature, but Marler was able to get clear and drive away in a caution-free affair. If the race had been maybe 5 or 10 laps longer, Garrett Alberson may have been the winner, but he ran out of time. Marler grabbed the win over Alberson, Pearson, Ricky Weiss, and Herb, who faded to 5th at the end after leading laps. Entering Sunday, the race for the $25,000 finale was wide open, and so was the week-long points championship. Brandon Shepard led the standings for much of the week on the strength of those two opening weekend wins, but he faded through the final uh, three nights, which left an opening for others to capitalize. Friday, it was that flat tire for Shepard, and then Saturday, it was an 18th place starting spot that he couldn't quite recover from. And then Sunday, his race would end early. In last night's feature, Jake Tim led early from the pole after the initial start was called back when Mike Marler got an early jump. The race went caution three through 40 laps with Tim in control, but things got interesting late. While trying to run down Tim, Marler tangled with the lap car of Kent Rosevier, who ended up in the fence with significant damage. The incident collected Johnny Scott and top five runner Garrett Alberson. On the restart, Marler and Tim battled for the lead, but it wasn't green for long. Ricky Weiss and Tyler Erb got together down the backstretch, and they collected Rusty Schlenk and Bishop. Erb was on the high side, exiting turn two with Weiss on the bottom. Weiss drifted up towards the wall as they got to turn three and maybe didn't realize Erb was outside. Weiss got right-reared, and it sent both cars spinning. Schlenk and Shepard just really had nowhere to go. And unfortunately, all four were basically done for the night after the incident. Following the caution, Marler was able to stretch away from the field, and he drove on to the $25,000 win, and he clinched the week-long championship for another $3,000. Earl Pearson Jr. finished second, Tim was third, Bobby Pierce fourth, and Stormy Scott was fifth. 
Nobody was able to take advantage of those Penske bonuses on the week. In the end, though, we got to see some really great racing at Vado, and hopefully this isn't the last time we'll get big-time racing at the track. Going forward, I'm curious to see how some of these guys are able to use these opening laps to their advantage heading to Florida and Georgia. Some of these drivers will head to Volusia this weekend for the Outlaw opener, and then quite a few will be at Golden Isles in 10 days for the Lucas opener. Definitely think EPJ will be one to watch, and Herb showed plenty of speed this last week as well. The question with Herb, though, is always his decision-making. Can he keep a cool head and stack up some consistent performances? He definitely has the talent and equipment to compete for a Lucas title if he can do that. And I think a lot of people were impressed with Alberson and Jake Tim uh, with what those guys were able to do this week. And I know it wasn't a super uh, deep field of cars, but a nice preview to the season nonetheless. In other late model news, the XR Super Series has made a few more announcements about payouts and a loyalty program for drivers with perfect attendance. Over 25 events, the series will pay out $3 million in purse money, with most events paying $2,500 just to start. 10 races will pay $50,000 to win and have a total purse of $150,000, and there are 13 $25,000 to win shows. The loyalty program will offer free entries and passes, plus VIP parking and free merch space. Drivers miss a single race, though they are out of the program. There's also a ton of money available at Bristol and an extra bonus set up for Charlotte, Texas, and Vegas. XR has also recently announced streaming deals with the Dirt Kings Late Models and High Plains Late Models. They also acquired the Southern Touring Late Model Series and just this morning announced the acquisition of the Southern All-Stars Late Model Series. So the news and announcements have been coming quick for the XR group. They've come very quickly into the super late model space and in a very big way. This will be something to pay attention to going forward. I kind of think how all of this works together with the existing late model establishment. This isn't a group that likes to see the boat rocked and you know folks are talking behind the scenes about these big moves. There's also a ton of money being throw around, thrown around which isn't common for dirt racing. For more on the XR series and events, visit racexr.com. There are two shows on today's streaming schedule. Dirt Vision has the iRacing World of Outlaws World Championship from Fairbury, and Flow has Flow Racing 24-7. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Hope you have a good Monday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily. Dirt Tracker Daily.